Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. We're back in Revelation chapter 7, starting around verse 5. Um, and we're looking at this from a vantage point of heaven now. What's going on in heaven? Have you ever thought about what heaven looks like and feels like? Well, we're going to get a good picture of that today. Have you ever thought about all the things that you're doing in your life right now or the things that you're worried about or the things that don't seem right or don't seem fair? You think um, maybe with all the hard work you've been doing, you ought to be getting more reward for it. You ought to be getting this, that, the other. This is a glimpse of heaven's perspective. And this is a glimpse um, of what's going on right now and what will be going on right now when God's plan finally comes to completion. And you know what? All the things that you and I are worried about right now are not in this plan. All the things that you and I feel um, the uh, um, feel bad about the injustice of the world, or the injustice in your own life, or the all the hard work you're getting, you're putting in, and you never get recognized, or or it just doesn't, you don't get that the um, the recognition that you want. Well. This is a glimpse of heaven, and none of that seems to matter. Because you know what? It's all about the Lord. Everything's about the Lord. Everything is fulfilled and completed in Him. And so, it it really, I think, puts a lot of emotion in its proper place and dissolves a lot of worry that we have here on earth. And I think a lot of our worries sometimes comes from our own pride. And I think we've talked about working on our PhD before. The the P is the working on our pride. We have to work on our pride. That has to be corrected. And sometimes God uses a lot of trials and tribulations to, to work on that pride. And perhaps in the great tribulation period, that's where a lot of pride of of um, so many people is going to be affected. And the H is humility. We have to work on our own humility. 
and to be humble before the Lord. We have to be humble before we can even repent. And D is devotion. To be devoted to the Lord. Devoted in prayer. Devoted in worship. Devoted in our discipline. Tribulations and trials are there to discipline us so that we can be devoted. So, Let's let's approach this with that in mind, that heaven is about the Lord, not about us at all. Well, starting at verse 5, we see all these people. Uh, well, I'll just start at verse 4 a little bit. And I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. You got 12,000 from the tribe of Judah, 12,000 from the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 from the tribe of Gad, 12,000 from the tribe of Asher, and then you've got all these other tribes, 12,000 from each. Uh, The Falti, Manasseh, Simeon, Levi, Issachar, Zebulun, Joseph, and Benjamin were sealed. Now, it's interesting now, these are 12,000 from different tribes uh, in, in Israel. And uh, these are, this is a remnant of the nation Israel that was promised that I would save uh, a remnant. And here God is saying, look, I have saved my remnant, and it is exactly this promise that I have kept to save this remnant all throughout the Old Testament. I'm in control. Remember when um, the Assyrians and the Babylonians were coming in and, you know, we saw in uh, the Old Testament different books, whether it was Isaiah or um, Jeremiah or, you know, Daniel they were coming in and taking these prisoners. But God says, don't fear, I will save a remnant of my nation. Well, this is the remnant finally being saved, being sealed. Being sealed. And it may not feel like you're you're saved when you're going through a trial. Remember, Israel had to go through captivity. That's a trial. That's a tribulation. But it was to make some people out of that group devoted and disciplined through God's discipline to those he loves. And we're being disciplined every day. It may not be a great tribulation, but it's through discipline, through various trials that we go through. But here is the promise kept of the remnant that he has promised to save and they're sealed and the angels that we saw back in the beginning of verse 7 the the four angels on the four corners of the earth plus that fifth angel that's telling them to hold back any judgment just yet until we have these the final people representing the final group of the remnant 
of Israel get sealed because they're all sealed. And so here we go. Then verse 9, after this, so all these things have to take place first. Then after this, I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. Now these are people from every nation. These are the Gentiles. So we have this this 144,000 of the remnant of Israel and then we have this great multitude of Gentiles being saved as well. Now, are they saved due to the effects of the 144,000 of the nation Israel? We don't know. But this great multitude that no one could number, are these the people that get saved through this great tribulation period? McGee seems to say that the great tribulation is a great, you know, like we have various trials and tribulations here in order to discipline those who God loves. This great tribulation will likely save more people than have ever been saved. And this is so people could hear the gospel message preached to the whole world. Who's doing the preaching? Could it be these um, people from the, from the remnant of Israel? Could they be doing this preaching of the gospel all over the world? If the church has already been raptured out of the earth, in other words, does God make his church go through this great tribulation period? Or does God take them out first and then the rest of them have to go through this great tribulation? Well, McGee um, has been teaching that the church is raptured out first. And uh, and then the, then you go through this great tribulation and then... You have all these people being saved. But in any event, whether these people before the throne are the people that get saved through the Great Tribulation plus the people that are already there in heaven from the church, or is this many people, or whether you take it from the church is not raptured and everybody has to go through this Great Tribulation, and then extra people get saved, We don't exactly know, but we know that this great number was too many for John to even count. Now, that's not to say that God doesn't know the exact number. It's just they don't tell us. But there's a great number that no one person could count. God could count them. He could count the the stars in the sky if he needs to. But no one person could number from... But they're from every nation, all tribes and people and languages, standing before the throne. In other words, they've been saved because they can stand before the throne. McGee says, if you're not saved, you can't stand before the throne. And they're standing and clothed in white robes. They have salvation. They're not standing in their old raggedy robes of sin. 
They've been given salvation through the Lamb, through Jesus Christ. They have the salvation. They put on the righteousness of Christ. They share with His death, His rebirth. They share in His righteousness and salvation. And they're crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. They're crying out with loud voices. They're singing. They're singing loudly. They're not crying because they're unhappy. They're crying out because they're singing. And they're singing about salvation. And verse 11, all the nations were standing around the throne and around the elders. So the angels are there, standing around the throne. The elders of the church are there. And the four living creatures. The four living creatures, I think, the way I'm reading this is that it kind of represents all the creation. Everything that was created on heaven and earth. And the elders of the Old Testament and the New Testament church, the church, God's church, kind of represent the Old Testament and the New Testament. Because I think there were 24 elders. Now, one way to look at that is 24 of the Old Testament, and tw- I mean, excuse me, 12 of the Old Testament and 12 of the New Testament. But I'm not, we don't exactly know. But everything that was created and Everything representing God's Old Testament promise and New Testament promise are there. Promise kept. The remnant is there. And everybody who has heard the gospel message is there and believed in it is there. Everybody is there. And they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. This is what heaven's picture looks like. Being on your knees before God and worshiping God with everything you've got, with all your heart, your mind, and your soul. Saying amen. It's done. Completed. It's over. Blessing and glory and wisdom. Thanksgiving and honor. And power and might. That is loving God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. Right there. And your body. Forever and ever. Amen. It begins with amen. It ends with amen. And this is pure worship. That's how we need to live our lives every day. If we can go through the... If we can begin our day with an amen and end our day with an amen and everything in between, we give every blessing and every glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might Be to our God forever and ever. 
everything goes to him. And is acknowledged that comes from him. Starts and ends with him. With our Lord Jesus. So that's how we're going to stop today. In this great book of Revelation. And uh, so now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my co-host in Zambia, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And look forward to hearing what you've got to say today. So from me to all of you, God bless you. And keep your hearts centered on Christ. We'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 5 all the way to verse 12. This chapter answers the question of whether anyone is going to get saved in the Great Tribulation period. So the Great Tribulation period will be the greatest period in world history. That is, there will be no period of the same time when this many people are going to be saved. So there will be people who will be saved during this period, like a great multitude of people in world history compared to any other period in um, our lives. So the Holy Spirit left the world to present the church to Christ. That's the beginning of the Great Tribulation when there's the rapture. But he, the Holy Spirit is back in the world doing the same thing he did before the day of Pentecost, which is taking God's creation and renovating it, making the things of Christ and God real to uh, God's children. So God's spirit broods over this earth today. God poured out his Holy Spirit and it, it watches over this earth today. And, you know, it has from the beginning and it will continue even after the church is uh, removed from the earth. So we saw two great companies in our previous study. We saw two great companies that are saved. That's the church, the children of Israel. That's the 144,000 um, out of the 12 tribes. And we saw the great company of Gentiles. So scripture reads from, I'll read from verse 5 to verse 8. And it reads, of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Isha, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. Okay. So, 12,000 out of each tribe. So, um, the 144,000 is divided by 12. So, one-twelfth of each tribe. So, there is some peculiarities of the 12,000 that are listed here that I just read that Dr. Jeevan McGee points out. So first, Judah heads the list. So the tribe of Reuben should come first as he was the oldest, but because of his sin that we have in um, Genesis 49 verse 4, which reads, Unstable as water 
you shall not excel because you went up to your father's bed then you defiled it he went up to my couch okay so here Reuben lost his first place that was his privilege his right but he didn't lose out he didn't lose his salvation so when a Christian sins they don't lose their salvation but they may lose their reward and Reuben is a good example of how God deals with um you know when a Christian goes astray and sins um so this is a classic example so Reuben lost the place of honor but didn't lose out altogether so it was from the tribe of Judah that the Lord Jesus Christ came eventually because Reuben lost that privilege. And the second point that Dr. J. McGee looked at um, is the tribe of Dan and Ephraim were omitted from this list. So both tribes were guilty of going into idolatry. And we have this in Deuteronomy 18, Deuteronomy 29, from verse 18 to verse 21. Which reads, so that's Deuteronomy 29. Let me just turn there. Um, so from verse 18 to 21, and it reads, so that there may not be among you man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go and serve the gods of these nations, that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness, bitterness or wormwood. And so it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses himself in his heart, saying, I shall have peace even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be inclined with the sober. The Lord would not spare him, for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against the man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under the heavens, and the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity, according to all the curses of the covenant that are written in this book of the law. So um, the tribes of Ephraim and Dan, they were omitted. And um, in history, we find that Dan was the first tribe that fell into idolatry. And we have this in the book of Judges, as Judges 18 verse 30, which reads... Um, that's Judges 18, verse 30, and it reads, Then the children of Dan set up for themselves the carved images of Jonathan, the son of Gershom, the son of Manasseh, and his sons were priests to the tribe of Dan until the day of the captivity of the land. So the tribe of Dan 
later on became the headquarters for calf worship and you know Jeroboam made Israel to actually sin and we have this in um, first kings that's first kings 12 from verse 28 to verse 31 and it reads um that's first kings 12 so it reads therefore the king asked advice from two calves of gold and said to the people it is too much for you to go up to jerusalem here are your gods o israel which brought you up from the land of egypt and he set up one in bethel and the other he put in dan now this thing became a sin for the people went to worship before the one as far as dan so the tribe of dan you know it became the headquarters for um calf worship so they were given top priority in the millennium uh, and we have this in ezekiel 48 and we find out that the tribe of dan is in the millennium but they were not sealed for the time of the great tribulation and this shows that god's grace can reach down to meet the need of any sinner so god is very gracious so they were sealed they were not sealed for the purpose of witnessing so god is very gracious no matter how bad you are like if you reach out to him so ephraim was also guilty of idolatry and we have this in hosea 4 verse 17 and it reads ephraim is joined to idols let him alone so god said let him alone because they were just joined to idols and um, this has reference to the northern kingdom and ephraim was uh, the leader there and it was the tribe that led to the division of the kingdom and we have this in first kings 11 verse 26 which reads So that's first Kings eleven verse twenty six reads Then Solomon's servant Jeroboam the son of Nebat and Ephraim might and Ephraimite from Zereda whose mother's name was Zerua, a widow, also rebelled against the king. So, you know, and, you know, in this book here, Joseph, um, so, oh, sorry, yeah, so the verse that I just read, so Ephraim, um, you, you know, it was the um, leader in the northern kingdom, and it was that tribe that led to the division, so they rebelled, and um, they went into idolatry as well. And here in the book of Revelation, um, the tribes that were listed joseph takes the place of ephraim and levi takes the place of dan so levi was the priestly tribe and they were going to be witnesses in the great tribulation period so god has not given up on you know for those people to say god has given up on the nation israel 
uh, like he's through with them. So God has not given up on the nation Israel. So they were going to make it through the Great Tribulation period. So God never leaves himself without a witness on this. God always leaves a witness behind. So now we have another company redeemed. And that's from, let me read verse 9 and 10, which says, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So no one here could actually number um, the, this great company of of people, the Gentiles. Not that they couldn't calculate or they don't know math. Um, you know, the size of this multitude is very large and it's uh, not a one-man job. So it's not like no one. Um, no man, actually. Um, that's what the statement is. Um, that's what the statement means. So these are Gentile people from every tribe and nation. There were multitudes of people. So this is going to be a great turning to God than we've ever seen in the history of this world. So there are great... A multitude of Gentiles from every tribe, every corner, every nation of the world. So the greatest day of God's salvation are in the future. And here there's a statement that reads, standing before the throne and before the um, Lamb. So here, um, this indicates that they are redeemed and um, have made it through the Great Tribulation. And then here we have the white robes set before us. Um, they said before us the righteousness of Christ, the white robes that they are in here, clothed in white robes. Um, so, you know, they're clothed in these white robes and this is the righteousness of Christ that they're dressed in and, in, and they were, um, they couldn't actually go before God in filthy rags and their own righteousness as, you know, our own righteousness is filthy rags, which we cannot take to God. And then the palm branches is a sign of victory in Christ. Um, you know, during the triumphant entry of Christ into Jerusalem, he was waving a palm, which is a sign of victory. Verse 11 and 12 goes on to read, All the angels stood around the throne and the elders and the four living creatures and fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. So this scene is a universal um, worship of God by all of his creatures. So the angels, the churches, the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints, they all fall down and worship, bow down rather, sorry, and worship um, the living and true God. So angels praise God here um, for his attributes and goodness, but not for salvation, as you know, they are sinless creatures who do not need redemption. But the other company, that's um, the company of Gentiles and the saints, and all they all praise God for um, their redemption. 
So this is our teaching for today. Thank you all for listening and God bless you all and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.